Welcome to the Bad Habits Theology Podcast, where we seek to chew through a theological topic through a biblical lens and apply it to our lives. While we all hold to the Apostles' Creed, and most of us hold to traditionally Reformed doctrines, we each belong to different denominations and believe that this Catholicity will add to our discussions. This week, we tackle ideas surrounding perseverance and preservation of the saints and assurance for the Christian. I'm sure Nobody, it'll no. emerge. That, well, the topic doesn't really have a direction. I mean, so my kind of point in doing this was like it kind of led naturally from depression. Everybody's good with the recording. Are you cool? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool okay, cool. Um, yeah, once again, welcome, uh, welcome Caleb's dad and our three other listeners. But, um, yeah, this, this time I wanted us to start each topic with like reading through these passages. Um, every, every week, um, I do the, the, the verses that I kind of based my like study on at the end of it. But, um, like with theological textbooks and stuff, like, I always leave those little notes. Like, if it says, like, reference this verse, I leave it at, like, I'm like, oh, I'll get around to reading the, the footnotes, but, like, that's the where the concepts are found. So, um, I wanted us to focus, like, I figured we'd start with uh, the topic of predestination, just kind of, you know, kind of dip our toes into where we're going, um, going to salvation and eternal destiny. Um, and then the real meat of it, which is, uh, preserva- uh, preservation, preser- preservation of the things, and assurance. So um, that's where I really wanted to dig in. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. A quick, a quick glance at the tulip fields, and um, let's just read the verses of the topic we're starting at and break it up, break it apart. We, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We can start with prayer. Yeah. Um, well, Michael, do you want to pray for us? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, these group of men and how uh, even though that we do go to different churches, God, that um, we are still brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Father, thank you for just uh, predestination, God, how you chose us out of the world. And um, God, just open our eyes and reveal our hearts uh, to the, the, sin, the sinners that we are. And uh, God, I just pray that as we dive into your truth and your word tonight, that you would um, open our heart, open our ears, and open our hearts and soften our hearts, God, and that, um, that we would be changed into uh, Christ's likeness. And um, just thank you for this time that we can come together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. So, um, uh, so Eric, would you mind reading Jeremiah and then Caleb? Would you mind reading Romans? And then Cody, would you mind reading Ephesians, uh, which is on the next page? Um, so yeah, just, we're just we'll just go through the scripture, soak it in, and then then go for our discussion on, on the topic. So yeah. Jeremiah 18, uh, verses 1 through 11. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, 
O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return, every one from his evil way, and amend your ways and your deeds. (coughs) Romans 19... Romans nine nineteen to 29 You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for his glory even us whom he has called not from the Jews only but also from the Gentiles as indeed he says in Hosea those who are not my people I will call my people and her who is not beloved I will call beloved and in the very place where it was said to them you are not my people there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, If the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like the Moral. <coughs> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. The word of the Lord. Yeah, so predestination kind of comes into the 
this conversation because it's the first point of, in my mind, the first point of assurance that that it, we're in God's hands and He predestined us. So, um, have you guys like have you guys thought about predestination as as a point of comfort in the past? Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because not only does predestination like show God's sovereignty, it also shows his love for us and also it grants us a huge assurance of salvation because you know I feel like without knowing I feel like without knowing that you know the Lord chose us we would have a lot more doubts about our salvation we'd be like well I mean if I chose God it's like I wouldn't choose God hmm. so does that am I really a Christian you know and then we, we you're, a, a true Christian does doubt his or her salvation that's the signs that you're actually a believer but I think that predestination is a plays a huge role in that. Yeah. So, and did you guys like did did you guys come to like into the like the reform circles like later in life, like after you've already been a Christian, or did you guys did everybody start like kind of with the tulip in mind? I well, we moved to a reformed church when I was like in second grade, so yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, I was raised in reformed mindset. Mm. You made it easier. <laughs> I think in answer to the first question, predestination wasn't so much a comfort to me. I mean, if we're thinking purely like tulip, mm. it's more the preservation of the saints. Because in my mind, it's like, okay, sure, you're chosen, but that means to me it meant nothing if that was an irrevocable choice. Mm. And it's much more <coughs> comforting to me that... Um, the you know the assurance of salvation is grounded in Christ's sacrifice and in my works than God choosing me but it definitely I, I think the what um, predestination did in my mind was make God huge and make mm. me super small which was really good um, does that help with the thoughts of assurance then like it does because it, it it automatically kind of sets up like whoa this gigantic you know, God is choosing you, which is amazing. But then it's like, okay, cool, but could he change his mind? And then the preservation of the saints at the end kind of like encompasses it at the end. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm totally solid because it's grounded in this gigantic God, not in this small man. Because you guys, you guys, a, a pastor came in to your church when you were younger who... yeah was reformed and he introduced it right like to your right. family right yeah so i i grew up and i was saved in a um ev free church um altar call all of that you know late <laughs> nice. 90s all that stuff um and kind of part of my testimony is that i was plagued by so much guilt that i would lose my salvation in particular so any sin that i would do i'd just be plagued by guilt like oh i'm gonna have to rededicate which was really big back in the night I'm sure probably still is but like, that, that was what I experienced everyone was like oh I gotta rededicate my life I gotta you know do what's right to get right with God um, and so when we went to another church that was a non-denominational church they there was a pastor there who was um, more reformed and he took my dad through Chosen by God by R.C. Sproul mm. and that kind of blew my dad's mind and then he mm. taught it to us and blew our minds so I, I really grounded more in the P from Tulip but not at the expense of 
the rest, <laughs> in particular for destination. So I, I didn't really have um, a lot of the instinctual kind of um, backlash towards predestination. Um, there was a, a pastor friend of mine um, a few years back who said that he did when he heard about it. He just had this instinct like, no, I chose God. And it kind of, I never really had that um, problem. But did you guys ever run into that? Like where you thought that there's this kind of inner turmoil with God choosing you versus you choosing him? Well, I think people who don't believe in predestination, that's their constant struggle. Right. And I think it's I, I think it's fun to talk about predestination with people who don't believe in it because in I th- I'm fairly certain that every Christian actually believes in predestination, but they just don't want to think that that God damns people to hell. Because yeah. um, when you, when you talk to them, you're like you're like my, my 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 key point when I talk about predestination with someone who doesn't believe in it is I'm like well then if you don't believe in predestination, they don't believe in the sovereignty of God, and that, that kind of throws them for a loop because then they're like no I do believe in the sovereignty of God and I'm like well then if God was sovereign then he knows who he's going to save and who he's not but but I, I have but you know I, I chose to be a Christian because because uh, because I believed in it I'm like you believed in it because God wanted you to believe in it and then so and then they they talk about predestination like they believe in it but they don't like using the word predestination because yeah. they, they feel like it's a, a hateful thing almost Right. Right. Like they'll start with like, I was dead in my sins and trespasses, but they won't they won't realize that God is the one who pulled them out of the right. sea as a skeleton. Yeah. Right. They're like, right. Well, right. Yeah. I've heard it kind of. I mean, thinking talking about cage stage for a little bit because there's a point when you first learn about predestination where you're like <clears throat> hitting everyone over the head with it, and I think one of the things that's helped me kind of um, temper that is an understanding that they're kind of just looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. A lot of them, just like what you're saying, like a lot of them believe in predestination, but they're looking at it from a from man's perspective. Yeah. Like, like I oh, mean, I'm not a robot, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll say like, you know, well, and as, you know, believing in predestination, God changes your heart to believe. And so from the person's perspective, yeah, they choose God, but it's not, of any will of their own really it's God that's choosing them and it's that's what helped me kind of temper that because it's it's just work it from a predestination standpoint if you're you know believing that and saying that you're, you're kind of looking at it from God's perspective like God chose you and then if you're you know kind of more of a Arminian perspective you're you would say more like oh I'm you know, I, I choose God, and you're not really thinking too much deeply into, you know, from God's perspective. At least in my opinion, that's kind mm-hmm. of what has helped temper the bashing everyone's head with the right. Romans 9. Yeah. I think, well, I think for me personally, the hardest thing when it comes to talking to someone about predestination is having grace with it. Yeah. Because it's like, you're not going to, like, everyone is on their own spiritual journey. Like, uh, I know someone... Measures of faith. I, yeah, I, I know someone who's, um, who she, she's a believer, but she, she thinks that um, people can lose their salvation and then, and then become believers again. 
and when in reality it's just you know if they're if they're truly believers they're and they fall and you can you can fall away from the faith for a while but the Lord's gonna bring you back if you're really a believer and uh, I remember like having a really hard time with that and I was and I was talking to the, someone else about it and they were like well I think it's just important to remember that everyone's on their own spiritual path and if they're truly a believer then God will eventually if he wants to he'll reveal to them that you know there is his sovereignty and there is assurance of salvation and you yeah. cannot lose your salvation and I thought that was a really good point because it's like sometimes I'm like well how can you not believe this you know it's like it's right there in the Bible it's like all these scriptures they talk about predestination and this is just a few a few a few um, examples of it and yeah. it's all over the Bible Old Testament New Testament it's everywhere but you know it's just God just chooses to reveal it when he wants to yeah. and sometimes he doesn't and but that doesn't mean they're not Christians right and it, and it's helpful. It's a helpful perspective on who God is. Yeah. In my mind, the predestination is always just exactly what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. it's a clear view that from God's perspective, like He chose us from the beginning of time, and it's it's good to get to know your God as the sovereign God. Right. Because um, like we'll get to assurance and stuff. Because that's like that's a whole that's the where we're getting to. But like my foundation here was like I grew up at a <sighs> my school <laughs> growing <laughs> up um, was not like actually. My school net, like, you know, the church obviously now is different, but like, um, the school was really like a lot of the teachers would say like, come on, that seems so cruel that God would choose one way or another. Um, and like at the end of the day, like we all have to understand that even if you're like, even if you don't spiritualize anything, like God set things in motion, you were born where you were born. Like, like just from like, just from a stance of like physics, like you got the opportunity to hear the gospel the way you did simply because God put you where you were at. And so it's like God's sovereignty is really important to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And God like brings that out. That's why, that's why the passage of Romans is like, Hey, like potter in the clay, like who are you to question the potter? Right. Um, and it's like, that's, that's what I latch onto with this point um, is just capturing that, God's in control and I need to remind myself because it feels a lot like I chose him. Yeah. <laughs> it feels a lot like I've like, not that I'm patting myself on the back and I'm a, I'm a good boy for choosing God, but like it feels like it was my decision. Yeah. So it seems like God puts things in scripture to just get it across to us of what the real spiritual reality is. Um, and so like this, I think, I think if you grill any Christian hard enough, they would at the end of the day say, well, yeah, God knew, before time began and even if they won't cross this faith line it's it's so important to get to the assurance we start with this yeah um but yeah i mean i i fought it you know growing up and until really actually it was until god adjusted the course of my life where i was actually invested in identifying why these truths were important for me or like they mattered like until that point it was just like there's no way God wouldn't do that to us, but yeah. he reminded us all throughout scripture. I'm in charge. You're a person. I'm God. Like that's, yeah. I think there's this, this fundamental kind of, maybe it's part of the sin nature urge or maybe feeling that all mankind has that everyone is generally good. That's a vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think with that, it makes predestination kind of hard to swallow. Mm. Because if you're, if you're thinking that everyone's kind of good, then you immediately think that 
So that means that if God is choosing some, he's choosing others to go to hell. And it's like, well, kind of, but not really. Because it, it, that's you're basing that on a foundation that everyone is good, and he's just choosing to save some that but, are... But to, to add on to that, like yeah. even the Bible talks about like 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 the rapture will not come until every like ear has heard, you know. So I mean, like everybody has an opportunity to you know hear the gospel, and then you know, and yes, God's sovereign through that, but <clears throat> like it even says, like there is no excuse, you know. Like yeah. So yeah, all through know. Romans, yeah, yeah, it's good. I I I think yeah. I mean, it, there's. I think that m- might be why there's kind of a pushback against predestination in a lot of ways in people's minds because they be- all view themselves as good and if you're saying that God is choosing some then they're kind of automatically thinking like kind of a double predestination thing mm-hmm. rather than a meaning like he's choosing to save some and to damn others you know drop this what? it's like a red light throughout this like year and a half or whatever I've really I've come to the point because I've always kind of had this uh this kind of like what, what you're saying like thinking that like you're good you know yeah like, I would look at so Pastor Scott he brought me in you guys know this and and this guy read the word to me and whatnot and I was just like dude this guy is like solid like he's a good guy you know and then I would go to church and I'd see like these good people you know and I'd just be like oh they're good and I'm bad you know mm. and then like I would go and then that transitioned into you know even going to Tri-City and stuff like that and then Throughout this time, I've slowly been understanding that no one is good. Yeah. You know, even myself. Like, there is yeah. not there is not one ounce of good in me. You know, and even, like, like what you were talking about, like, the filthy rags. You know, like, the, our best day is, like, filthy rags. And it's like, you know, that never really hit home until right. this past year. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, there, it truly, like, because if there's any ounce of saying, like, I did this or I did that and mm-hmm. thus I am in a higher... Um, love of God you know like that's yeah. just you know then that takes away from Christ and what he totally did you know yeah. and that's like that's something that I'm thankful for like throughout this time this past year some change you know it's just yeah. that, like like no matter how good I am Christ's righteousness you know yeah. so and that's just adding on you for me personally yeah like, just no, dude, that's, breaking me down that's know? monumental because that's the mm-hmm. like first key to the gospel is that mm-hmm. no one is good and the reason it is so monumental is because that means if you're trusting in these truths of predestination, then your only question is, why me, Lord? Like, mm-hmm. none of us are good. Why would you choose me? And it, it kind of revolutionizes your whole thought on salvation and what that means. Yeah, I, I like um, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, or, yeah, well, wherever. He, he talked about um, a school of kids who was, like, really bad, and so, like, the kid who was, like, the best just wouldn't, like, actually try and, like, poke out somebody else's eye. And so then he goes to a school where all the kids are pretty decent. And he's like, I'm a great kid. And then all the other kids are thinking of him as, like, wow, you're, like, you're pretty messed up. Yeah. And, like, that idea of, like, this earth, it's, like, we're all, like, the kids in the bad school. Yeah. And so the people we think of as, like, wow, they're so good. It's like the bad kid, like the kid from the bad school. Like when we get to heaven, it's going to be like, yeah, that was me. I was like, I felt like I was so good. If, if you, if you end up in a place where you've been sanctified really well and God yeah. has worked really hard on you, uh, like changed you a lot. You're still, yeah, yeah you're still, 
rags. I mean, it's crazy to think that our perspectives are completely wrong for every person, you yeah. know? But. That's the key even maybe to transition more into um, salvation and assurance that if you're thinking that way, that you're bad like everyone else, or, or sorry, I'm trying to think through what I'm trying to say. The, I mean, so the opposite. So if you're thinking that like, oh, you're good and there's something that you do to kind of get into God's good graces that's something that's instinctual to like our sin nature to try to compete with each other and to be like, Oh, I'm better. There's some, you know, aspect in me that makes me worthy for God choosing me. And then that, like, I think that's what you said, Michael, it just takes away from the gospel. Like it takes away from Christ's work on the cross. And that's, that is antithetical to, you know, biblical Christianity. And that was a whole issue with the Pharisees. Like, they they were thinking that they're doing all these things to get in God's good graces. And it's like, that's not it at all. Like, it's the sick that need a physician. And it's only the sick that are going to get into heaven. <laughs> and that's, like, the the main foundational issue. Mm-hmm. But with assur- then the reason that assurance is kind of entwined in that is because if you know that it has nothing to do with you period it's only by grace you know sola fide sola gratia all that stuff then the assurance goes hands in hand with that mm-hmm. because otherwise it's salvation by works there's there's no other logical conclusion to that it's either salvation by grace through faith or salvation through works mm-hmm. and the you know there's you can't have it either way, both ways. Mm. Unless you know, nuanced and talk about it's actually God's work. Yeah. <laughs> and so you are saved by works, it's just not your own. <laughs> Human works. Yeah. Any thoughts? I know you kind of think of things on a different paradigm, so I don't know if it translates e- easily, but. The only wrong answer is if you don't believe in predestination. <laughs> <laughs> in that case... <laughs> well, I guess I'll get 50% on this line. I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, I, <clears throat> I think I'm a bit reticent to use like so like good like we have to like talk about when we're talking about goodness like of course like I understand what you guys are saying but if we account for the Imago Dei in everyone if we account for common grace people do good things right being a faithful husband is a good thing <laughs> being a faithful friend is a good thing showing grace and showing mercy to people is a good thing and some people who are not Christians do these things mm-hmm. and they're good won't get you to heaven but it won't get you to heaven right um, so we have to affirm these things um, in the non-believers we come across in believers and in yeah, non-believers right um, otherwise we end up with a really just misanthropic worldview, and it's not very attractive to non-believers mm-hmm. Um, 
In what way is it misanthropic? You cannot say anything is good. Like you, like there is no good in me whatsoever. Um, that's just like it's just not true. Like when I'm a good husband, like that's a good thing, and that should be affirmed as good. Like if I do a good work, like that's a good thing. But it has to be balanced by humility and understanding that um, it's common grace, and it's also the the idea that I'm created in the image of God, who is the perfect image of goodness. Um, but uh, obviously, it has to be separate. So that's the only nuanced thing. Well, yeah, and that, and that nuance um, keeps coming up in the Reformed faith, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like the good that you do because those good things like wouldn't get you into heaven so that's like those good things are like the filthy rags right like it's yes. not enough right. to overcome your sin exactly. I, I think depending right. on your it's, perspective on how you're looking it, it, I think it's running I think it's 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 like for a Christian for like a Christian husband if he's faithful to his wife we'll use that example I think in the eyes of the Lord that's pleasing but you know in the eyes of the Lord if a unbeliever is faithful to his wife it it's still accounted as filthy rags to the Lord. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. From a moralistic standpoint, yeah, it's a good thing. But from like an upward view of things, is it? It's 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 like from a from God's perspective, is it actually a good thing? I still think God's pleased by it. Here, here's a maybe a good question: Who gets the glory from those good works? Mm. I don't know. Because one thing that's clear through Scripture is that God's not going to share His glory. Yeah. And if those works are truly good, then it's God that's getting the glory from it. And I suppose at the end of the day, He will, though, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the good of God shining through despite your sin nature, right? right? Like, like, sin can't completely corrupt every single person. Like, God has allowed. The Imago is not completely obliterated. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, we still we still reflect God. And that's, yeah, I mean, that, that's what you're getting at, right? Is yeah. that, like, there's still good that's being done. And, like, um, uh, uh, Father Brian, I was talking to him today, and he said um, uh, that when you're dealing with a non-believer, you should learn about God. You should see the things that God imbued in them and, like, and identify the things that God left there in their person and say, like, oh, I'm so glad, like, that I got to learn humility from this non-Christian because yeah. there are those things. But I guess from the point of point of view, because these are two points of view. These are from the outworking of the Imago Dei in the person, yeah, versus the salvific what perspective on, yeah, right, on, from which, God. It's two different conversations, right? Right. Which is that's why the the language of goodness is always difficult to parse. And, and I I think it's helpful to like folk like know where this like think about where this came from too, yeah. right? It, this is all from the Synod of Dor. Like they were so worried that people were saying like we save ourselves yeah and so like that was the concern not necessarily like and that and and unfortunately the, the only paradigm that we really have um at least in the reformed world is is the perspective from the reformed faith and so that that went through the synod of dort where they developed tulip yeah. in response to arminianism and and the reason that we have to go to assurance through this lens is because unfortunately there was a, well I, I think it's kind of cool like Every controversy in, in the Christian faith in the past, like, um, I love historic theology because it, it like, helps me, like, frame my own thoughts. Um, and so Synod of Dort was, like, let's make sure we know 
that we can't achieve salvation on our own, that it's God who's doing it. Um, and so that led them to the perseverance of the saints, which I found tremendous comfort in the assurance from the synod. And so that's why, that's why I went to perseverance first, or that's why I went to, um, predestination first. Yeah. I mean, I think personally, in terms of my, my journey, um, I like resonated with a lot of what you were saying, right? So, uh, I was raised Catholic um, then at the age of 13 my father who was not a Christian at all became he got saved in a Calvary church um, so we left our parish church and started going to a Calvary church uh, then in college I became a Presbyterian um, and I have my masters of I have a bachelor's in theology and a master's in divinity from reformed schools and now I'm essentially an Anglo-Catholic and a lot of it has been understanding my relationship to God at first when I was I went through a hardcore cage stage but a lot of it I resonated with the anxiety of if you do not have a God who's deeply personal as well as sovereign oh yeah and if you do not have tangible experiential theology then it's really like how can you like how do you know you're left was my question mm-hmm. um and we'll talk about that later in, in the packet <laughs> <laughs> later in the later in the later, talk later you can topic. you can explore yeah. though i mean um, and no and i think that was that was essential so like we talk about perseverance as a saint the requirement in the logic <laughs> is that you're a saint mm-hmm. how do you know if you're a saint or not mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where studying Calvin's baptismal theology and Eucharistic theology really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was reassured by the sac- by taking communion. Yeah. He was like getting reassured, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, his in Calvin, uh, like as opposed to an like the. The most reformed yeah. thought now is like, which, yeah, that, that's definitely, I get what you're saying. It's, like, it's, 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 that, it's that it's efficacious. It's that God's election is, um, and I, it's been a while since I read the Institutes, but you get a lot of language of calling and vocation in Calvin's baptismal theology. Calling invocation meaning what? Election. Okay. Regeneration. Mm-hmm. Language. Um, and then the sacrament is Christ represented to you for your strengthening. Mm-hmm. So my perseverance isn't based on my own works. It's based on Christ's works. And that is communicated to me and applied to me through the sacrament of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was super encouraging. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I think that is when I start to understand God's sovereignty in that setting. Yeah, sure. Like, I think that's amazing mm-hmm. and beautiful. Um, and then in regard to predestination, like, which I don't know where I'm at anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, um, so let's let's go to the let's go to the next pa- uh, couple scriptures on salvation. We will get to assurance. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where we can deep dive in there. Um, uh, but. Um, Michael, do you want to read? I mean, it's short, but Ephesians there, um, and then I'll I'll kind of divide why I'm why I put John that way 
And then um, Eric, if you want to do Romans. And then Cody, I'm having you read all of yours. So right. we can do that one. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. All right, then John 15, 1 to 27. Um, this is some. This is one of those notes that I would have put in the back. Um, I don't want to read the whole thing. Uh, this is the passage about the vine, the vine dresser, and that we're called to abide. Um, but I'll just read a, a short excerpt, um, which is, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them up to open shame by triumphing over them in him. All right, so just kind of like point out like why we're focusing on the topics with the passages is because these topics are essential to getting down to assurance. So keep in mind that we're getting to assurance, we're getting to perseverance, um, but from this perspective, I wanted to get to, I'm a new Christian, right? Okay, well, I'm not. Well, yeah, I'm new. It's you know, not that long, I guess. But um, <laughs> say a new Christian um, comes into a church and is entry, you know, starting their, their faith journey. Um, they are seeing salvation for the first time, right? So this perspective, it gets reiterated a lot in our Christian walk of what it looks like to become a Christian. Uh, but what does it look like for the salvation to be applied to you as a Christian? Like uh, my perspective here was the eternal destiny of a Christian. Wait, do we have one more from Cody? Oh, okay. Um, uh, the point, the eternal destiny of a Christian is through the salvation that is given to you by Christ. And so we start with the predestination. We've been predestined by God, but in time we have this time where God starts to move in us, starts to sanctify us. Um, you know, our, our Arminian brothers would be like, the day I chose Jesus, you know? Um, and so 
the, the day God saw when he looked through the corridors of time. <laughs> yeah, one. it gets more complicated when you're formed yeah. to say that kind of stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but this salvation, mo- this this salvation that comes to um, t- comes to the Christian is reflected like in in how Israel was how Israel was saved by God, um, how the church in general is saved by God. Um, but what I'm focusing on is those who are eternally destined to be in heaven with God. Um, we're saved by Christ and there's an outworking of that physically, right? When we come and we confess with our mouth that Christ is Lord um, and we're baptized in his name. Um, what is, what does that mean for us as Christians that there's this, there's this transition because people who do this, people who go through this salvation physical process leave the church. And so I'm more curious, like what do you guys think about that salvation moment? Like, is there and I I don't have a direction for a lot of these questions, but like, what what are your thoughts on that whole tumultuous aspect of like, there's this moment that we're saved, but like we're saved from eternity past. Like, I don't know. You guys are gonna have to take it from here. I'm not sophisticated enough to create a good lead off, but you know. I think I know what you're. One thing you might be getting at um, is at least. The way that the salvation is, in my perspective, um, applied to the believer is spiritually based off of the verse here where it says um, that Cody read. There it is. Uh, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. That key right there, made without hands, Mm. means it's not physical. Mm. And in my perspective, scripture is very clear that salvation is by faith. It's not something by that you do. Um, The things that you do do are signs of what has happened. So baptism, taking communion, those things are symbols that point to the fact that Christ has saved you spiritually. He has circumcised you with a circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. I know that there's... <laughs> I'm, I'm seven on toes. That's why I said that's, that's my... From what scripture says... From my understanding of it, from my hermeneutic, that's kind of how. So, like, I would say three of us in the room agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. 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 The, the second you, light, you cross the line of pedo baptism, no matter where you are on the spectrum, it's, you know, yeah. it, it feels a little different. Always but a good topic for debate. Always yeah. a good yeah. topic yeah. for debate. Is that the first one? Women terms. Yeah. 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 Pedo baptism? Uh, oh, baby oh. baptism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not a sign of salvation, just like a right. It's, yeah, it's more of like a dedication. It's it's like you're bringing the child into the body of believers, you know. So you're like saying, "Hey, this yeah. kid." It's a different view of covenants. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's not basically. Different. Is it basically just different. a baby dedication to like the church kind of thing, or like saying, or like a parent saying, "We're gonna raise our kids in the church" kind of thing. So there's I mean, it's more, much more. So well, it's from Cody's perspective, <laughs> Cody's perspective, which is if here, how yes, about this? yeah, okay. yeah. Here's yeah. why I think you're kind of right. Can you do and, it in, like, uh, a minute or less? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so Paul uses the language of circumcision, which is a physical, very physical, right. Painful, even. Yes. <laughs> so his... <laughs> circumcision when you pull out a cigar. Ow! Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got you. Thanks. Um... He, he's pairing this spiritual reality with a religious right, a very physical religious right. And... You mean right, R-I-T-E? R-I-T-E, yes. Yeah. Um, and then here's one, right? So here's John Calvin. He says, We assert that the whole guilt of sin is taken away in baptism so that the remains of sin still existing are not imputed that this may be more clear, let my readers call to mind that there is both a twofold grace in baptism, for therein both remission of sins and regeneration are offered to us. We teach that full remission is made, but that regeneration is only begun and goes on making progress during the whole life. Accordingly, sin truly remains in us and is not instantly and one day extinguished by baptism but as the guilt is effaced, it is null in regards to imputation. So, I would agree with what you're saying. However, making a distinction between the spiritual reality and the physical sign, um, I don't think is true to the testimony of Scripture or even to the Reformed so, tradition. But, but back to your Colossians passage, right? So point us back to the part um, that you're referring to, the, the, the cutting off of Christ. Is that the idea? Yeah. Um, I think that's what Paul is talking about when he uses the language of circumcision is his cutting off from the world on the cross. Mm. And that death is what we're baptized into. So he is tying baptism and circumcision together, which is pretty, um, like a pretty common exegetical mm-hmm. point in the Reformed mm-hmm. tradition. Um, right, and that's that's where pedo baptism comes in. And yeah, that all makes sense. But but you get the I mean I'm sure even Baptists, the I mean I was baptized twice. Right. And one of them was by a Baptist who was an Arminian, and right. the language of baptism and death are really pulled together pretty mm-hmm. closely. Like you're laid down in death. In death, and, and he raised up life in Christ. Life. Yeah. So this, this idea that baptism and the death of Jesus on the cross are intricately linked, and what Paul is saying is, it actually, and Calvin, is that it confers that death to us. Mm-hmm that it actually is efficacious it does something right and but from your perspective that the the thing that always hits when these types of conversations come up right with effectual um effectual purpose of baptism or communion right is that well there are those who (laughs) this is hard it's always hard to keep on topic so i'll just i'll bleed into the next what we'll be talking about but um is that there are those who are baptized and partake in communion who leave the faith, right? Yeah. And so um, and so would that effectual nature continue with those who are like who are completely 
like out of the faith and and never return to Christ in their life like is that still is the death applied to them in the same way to those who haven't fallen away and conversely there's people that are saved without baptism hmm. yeah like the thief, thief on the cross, cross. yeah is right is an example clear example yeah. yeah right so but is it logical fallacy to make a rule out of an exception true but i mean you know would you so when there have been those who have been faithful to Yahweh in the Old Testament who are not circumcised, too. Yeah. Right. Like God-fearers. If a God-fearer died without being circumcised, would he enter into the side of Abraham? Right. I mean, I would imagine... I would yeah, imagine, probably. Yeah. Right? So... But is that how God normally works? Oh, yeah. So if you want to apply a normative principle to this... I mean, we're talking about normative things. Right. 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 Um, so then... But there's... all something that is normative is Christians to leave the faith and die out of the faith, right? And so those who have been baptized and partaking in communion... Yeah, are, and in a sense they, they have lost their salvation. That's an interesting... Pers- yeah. It's um, an interesting perspective. I'm still I, wrestling I with I think that. in that, though, the difference is that salvation is a little longer by grace through faith than it's baptism. Which is what? It's a sign. A grace. It's a grace, Give but it's not... God. It's not, it's no longer that you're saved by a work, not by Christ's work. But by whose work? It's Christ's. But you're actually... Because when you're baptized, whose baptism are you baptized into, according to Paul? Someone is physically Christ's. baptizing you. Yeah, he's an intermediary, which is pretty... I th- There's only one Christ's man work. between us and God. Because whose office is a priest? The idea is that it's through the whole laying on of the Holy Spirit, you are doing the work of Christ for this person. Then you're... That's not what scripture says. There's one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. Jesus says to his apostles, the persons whose sins you forgive, I have forgiven. That's Mm. not salvation, though. And there's one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. I agree. And I am... There's no other mediator. The the pastor essentially is mediating. We all... Does Jesus talk to you personally? Why do you listen to your sermon? Scripture, yeah. Right? Who, how are you interpreting that, though? Through how did you... Do you... Okay, so when you're reading it in English, does some, did someone intermediate that to you? Yeah. It got translated? It got yeah. translated. And there was... Not only was there translation, but there was also transmission. Yeah. Right. Well, not everyone's here. Hi. What's up, dude? Hey, What's up, dude? I wrote beer. Sweet. Someday, you're going to walk in wearing shoes. Someday. Doubt it. <laughs> I have known this man gonna, huh? for eight years, and that still has not been proven to yeah. be the case. Yeah, you- and we're live again. Um, we're back. Shout out so, to my brother Josh for listening. Oh, Josh is listening too. Yeah. Holy, we're like worldwide now, dude. Yeah, we're we're things. Coast to coast, baby. <laughs> Four on the east, three on the west. Um, I mean, coast to coast. Yeah, coast to coast, literally. Nationwide. Yeah. On your side. So, okay, did you guys want to continue with the... No, uh, but I want to say is that eventually what I'm going to bring into it is... I bet in every time zone. Uh, way loud. From my understanding, as well as my personal experience, the assurance... Welcome, Brian. We just, uh, we just Brian. took us off. Brian's here. Oh, oh Brian, you met everybody. This is Cody. He's the newest. Oh my gosh. Oh, Come, Eric. I don't think I'm 
That's all good. So We're just saying hi. We're hanging out, man. Okay. Okay. So yes. So essentially, the only the yeah. I'm very comfortable moving on. I just wanted to say that I think that assurance is tied to baptism in the Eucharist, and if like if it if these two sacraments aren't efficacious, if they don't do something then that we cannot have assurance as Christians. Well, that's... So, the reason I wanted to uh, flip to assurance and perseverance... That was creepy. The Holy Spirit's here. Holy Spirit's here. Shut the door on that. So, the reason I wanted to switch, though, is because (laughs) that's where this conversation... (laughs) I'm leaving. (laughs) That's where this conversation started to go. And so, I want to, like... I want to start, like, digging into the actual meat of what we're talking about. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. We'll be back. Um, Or not. Okay, <laughs> so Caleb was the next in the reading list, and then we'll have Isaac and Brian. So we're on page four, yeah, perseverance, perseverance and assurance. All righty then. Perseverance and assurance. The stuff in red is just stuff for after. Um, no, the stuff in red was Jesus said, right? Yes, right, yeah. This is the King James? Do you believe this, colon? <laughs> is what I've put in red. Um, so... Uh, I'll just read Philippians, but uh, Caleb, would you mind reading Matthew 7 yeah. there? Um, Will you pick Philippians? I, oh, 12 words. And Brian needs... I get one. Oh, great. Okay, perfect. Wow. All right. Um, so, uh, so Isaac, can you read Romans then? And then, uh, Brian, would you mind reading that First John passage there? Page oh, four. page four. I'm so sorry. We are on perseverance and assurance. Um... Are you good with reading the first John passage there? And then, uh... You're like, how long is it? Okay. And then, Cody, can you read Hebrews 12 there? 12, 1 through 2? Yeah. And then, uh, Michael, can you read Romans 8, 3, 31 to 39 there? Yes. Cool. Okay, so I'll start with Philippians. Um, <laughs> That's me. I leaned on my key. Wow. Isaac, you just got here, man. <laughs> every second already being robbed. Every second is a distraction. Welcome to business. <laughs> well, yeah, we were doing uh, so good. We were doing. <laughs> we got through so much. Um, all right, so Philippians one six. He who has begun a good work in you will perfect it to the end. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the, one who did, who, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Am I Romans? I'm Romans. Yeah. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not of the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if you live with the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For, why is there an F there? Don't worry about it. Okay. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, for whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. First uh, John three nineteen through 24 By this we shall know that we are that we are of the of the truth and reassure reassure, 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 
Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm infuriated. Yeah. Uh, reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, <laughs> if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Those letters, the notes for down below. I know. Okay. I know. That was like... F, Y. Gotti? Gotti? Yeah, I know. Gotti. Goad. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the th- and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, sins right. are surrounded. <laughs> such a I love that song. Isaac, <laughs> calm down, buddy. <laughs> All right, uh, Romans 8, 31 through 39. Next page. Next page. I'm on the next page. No, you're not. I'm not on the next page. That was my bad. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of the God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, amen. Um, so, the assurance and perseverance <clears throat> that we're trying to get to tonight, um, if, you, if you're looking at most Reformed people, they start with the Philippians verse um, to the point of... Uh, this is actually something that uh, this is the fra- I got the exact wording from Legionnaire that I first read this type of phrase. Ligonier. Lig- Ligonier? It's Ligonier. Is it, Guys, is it actually Ligonier? Ligonier? Yeah. Ligon- I have a ton of the, the R.C. Sproul DVDs. <laughs> and that's what he says it. I don't listen to R.C. Sproul. <laughs> it's Lion Gone Ear. Like yeah. Diagonally? <laughs> Diagonally. Anyway, did yeah. You say so, so actually, Cody, how do you pronounce the website? Ligonier. Ligonier. Okay. That so from Ligonier. Um, I could dub them now. <laughs> um, uh, they. This is a common phrase, if not concept, in Reformed faith, which it says, um, "If you have it, that is, if you have 
genuine faith, and you're in a state of saving grace, you will never lose it. If you lose it, you never had it. Um, so... Except that riddle. The one who created it doesn't need it. Coffin. <laughs> um, yeah, and so... Uh, and then the other the other passage that Matthew seven, um, not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven on that day will say to me Lord Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And I and then I will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So and that's kind of the, that second verse that that hones that out. Like it starts with. Um, Christ who began the good work in you will perfect it to the end. And then that verse is used as the second piece of that, that thought. Like, um, uh, you know, there are those who will walk away, but um, they were the ones who confessed with their mouth, Lord, Lord, we did all these things for you. Um, and Christ would say, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So, Can we read the verse? Uh, um, they, well, apart from us, they never knew us. They were never a part of us. Now just so is. Oh, is that Corinthians? I no, I didn't include that. But you didn't. You know, do you have that reference on hand? It's First John. First John. Yeah. yeah. It's First John two. First John two, which is. But I have a. First John two eighteen to twenty one. Yeah. Which is in the apostasy section, um, two two pages back. So I'll just read that real quick. Um, first John two eighteen to twenty one, uh, the first verse under apostasy there. Um, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. And this is John writing to a church that has a lot of uh, missionaries coming in, right, too, who yeah. are which false and... Well, I don't you know, think it's about apostasy. Huh? I don't think this is about apostasy. Okay. So explain explain that perspective, please. Explain apostasy. Oh, yeah, so like... Falling away from the faith. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, like... Gotcha. Like damning falling away, not like a sojourning in the enemy's camp, or like, you know, just spending some time like in sin, but like literally, like completely denouncing the faith. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I took some notes actually on this section. Um, I don't think this is about apostasy, primarily because of the language of it. Um, that I think. And this is just this isn't my ideas. I'm getting this from uh, a mentor of mine. His name's Peter Whitehart. Is that, are we recording right now? Yeah. yeah. He's listening right now. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. I'm not a Presbyterian anymore. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah, federal vision. We don't need to get right. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so John's language. Uh, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Uh, for if they had been of us us again with us um they all are not of us but you have been anointed by the holy one um he's essentially saying that um i think 
he makes a distinction again in he does this in chapter four as well as chapter one as well uh whenever john in this epistle is talking about us he's talking about the apostolic witness and the hmm. um you is the people who receive it and you're and you're saying that on the context that first john is written to a church who's receiving missionaries who are bad who are not uh, who the are, true gospel who are, who are not a part of, of the apostolic witness they were not ever and part then, of us and then, so like we did not commission yeah. these missionaries right these heretical judaizers mm. and they are not a, they are not from the sent by the apostles so those so those people who say you have to be a jew and, and abide by the law to receive christ are coming into this congregation yeah right? essentially what he's saying is so, he's trying to make a distinction not that he's not, he's not saying that these people are apostate he's saying that they're heretics and they're not we didn't we didn't send them to you but what about they went out from us but like what is that what what so is that geographically right they so john's Came writing jerusalem he's not in, yeah he's not in so it's geographically they started out from us mm. but we didn't send them we didn't commission them i could see that mm. okay and that's, that's the the distinction he makes is where else did i have it um in chapter one verses one through four he makes that us and you kind of like us being the apostles you being the churches um and then he does it again in four verses one through six as well oh in chapter one yeah okay so this distinction of us i think has to be yeah we're gonna have to bring out the bible we're gonna have to actually crack on the bible yeah ready sorry refuse to use a bible (laughs) at this Wait, why did you hand me a message? (laughs) (laughs) Jerk? I was like, what? (laughs) These are all the message in... Pigeon English? Pigeon English. (laughs) What is going on? Okay, so 1 John, chapter 1. He is talking about um, the missionaries then. Okay, so do you know what... what, what Well, no, 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 sorry. So I said... um, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, um, he makes that distinction between the apostolic us and the, um, by ecclesial, I mean church, the ecclesial you. So, like, those who are all Christians, he makes a distinction between them and just the apostles. Yes, yeah, so okay. us is the apostolic witness. Okay. The apostles. The you is the church who receives that witness so like the which we have seen with our eyes physically meaning the apostles who saw christ <coughs> we, physically yes. right okay yeah how do you reconcile that with verse six and verse seven in chapter one if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in light we have fellowship with one another is that we the apostolic or all Christians? I think that is probably all Christians. I, I was talking more so, here. Yeah. So again, in verse two is kind of what I'm saying. His his use of the um, what what case was it? Um, yeah, I'd be interested to know what that is in the Greek if it's a different we. Because hmm. then otherwise, how would you make a distinction? It's hard to make a distinction, but um, in verse 5, it starts with, this is the message we have heard from him. Like, we we have yep. heard from and him. So then that, that, uh, yeah. that so, point goes to Cody, but... Uh, right, but uh, then, then it goes to God. When John... Sorry, sorry, not the we. Yeah. So, we, I'm sure, I 
this is just it more in particular because he doesn't fo- he doesn't talk about the we in chapter two, which is what we're focusing on. We're focusing on his John's use of the first person plural us. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. So in verse in chapter one, verse two, he says was made manifest to us. That understanding that Jesus Christ, after the resurrection, was made manifest to the apostles, right? That was a requirement to be an apostle. Mm-hmm. I, so, uh, again, I hate to do that, but in verse 9 do and it. 10, do it. or actually verses 8, 9, and 10, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So there's an us. If we are confessed our sins, he is faithful and just forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that saying that he only cleanses the apostolic? Um, or is it all believers? Well, no, because yeah, because definitely by the sorry. Well, this is getting really, really technical. But like by verse six, you're right, Eric. I mean, by yeah. verse six, it is talking about all believers, whereas verse five. So, but so like, let's get to the core of your point because yeah. like, why so, why do you say that this this area distinguish? Because they're yeah, because yeah. definitely both both are being used here. So see, but like yeah, so again in verse two, right as okay. well. So so that you may have fellowship with us. Us being the apostolic witness, us being the apostles, as the core witness of the gospel. Okay. Um, and then you get it again in four one through six as well. Um, but we don't have to parse that. I think that he's saying that because a I am a preterist, <coughs> and I think that when John talks about that, it is the last hour. He really meant that it was the last hour, and it's not some sort of weird, overextended metaphor for now, but that this was happening, that it was the last hour then. And that when he's talking about, again, with the us, that it was them being sent out. Um, I feel like we're kind of getting away from perseverance and assurance. Yeah, sorry. That's what I was, when I was trying to get to it before we to this little aside was I don't think that this I, what Isaac brought up as apostasy really had to have to do with apostasy Wait, you know? oh like this is just referring to the missionaries you, you done so up. I think like <laughs> well, to get this, back well, hold is, on but, but this I is, don't think that this but this is a key point I just want to say like this is to apostasy but a lot of the reformers use this as a proof text yeah. correct right well I mean I don't know oh Crap. Well, this I mean, is this is we keep least. running into this problem because we don't always know like <clears throat> the right answer to some of this stuff. But like, I don't um, like I don't know the common the common exegetical conclusions. Okay. Yeah, but like from reform conclusions <laughs> on this, but, I know but this, one. This is okay. which he says that it oh, is probably more likely, <clears throat> most likely that it was heretical missionaries. Well, yeah, because I, I mean that's what that. these are both I mean, about. The the logic of that is sound. It makes sense and it fits with the text. It just. Mm-hmm. Hey, Johnny, do you have a strong? And I mean, he's talking the, the entire context of the Book of John is trying to address Judaizers. Okay, because that because that's that was that passage. It seems like a clear iteration of this so yeah when it, it refers to you, the missionaries if you read it out of context right sure if you read it within the context which is the event why john is writing to this church is that there was heretical missionaries who were judaizers who were saying you have to follow the law to be saved and that you can be sinless like then it makes sense that these like that's who he's addressing 
Mm-hmm. His antagonist throughout this entire book is those heretical missionaries who right. were talking about a false gospel. Mm-hmm. But if we read it within, if we read it out of context, yeah, sure, it can fit in like a soteriological lens. Yeah, I mean, but that it, doesn't fit. It's not true to the context. Of the right, book. but like that's the the thing that's blowing my mind right now is that's always been a proof text for me. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's a proof like, text, yeah. and that's the issue with proof texts, right? Because right, often they are out of out of context. Just like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yeah, <laughs> or First like, Corinthians eleven. Oh right, gosh, yeah. don't use that. Hey man, don't I got a tattoo that. of that on my body. So <laughs> <relax>. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> You better be ready for 70 years of captivity, buddy. <laughs> Going back to... Uh, mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, no. <laughs> Going back to perseverance and assurance, there's yeah. one passage um, that's always, always been kind of close to my heart as far as assurance. Um, and that's in John chapter 10, um, verses 25 through 30. Um, and it's basically... Contextually, the um, Pharisees and Jews are trying to say, like, tell us plainly you're the Christ. And he says, like, oh, if you don't... Well, this is what he says. Jesus answered them, I told you that... Verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. And this is where he starts talking about his sheep, and this is where the my comfort comes from. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And I have that tattooed on my body. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody waited a little bit longer. Yeah. That's cool. And then, I no, like that because yeah. it's like well, no yeah. one's going to snatch you out of Christ's hand, but then Christ's like, and it's not just me. It's right. the Father as well. well yeah, they, and that's where I get the preservation of the saints. <laughs> mm. I have two memento vitae to remember life and to remember eternal life because no one can snatch me out of my Father's hand. Right. I, get a, I, I always look at the... Uh, there's two passages for pres- per- uh, no, um, a perseverance of saints. Or preservation. Preservation, yeah. basically. Is, uh, the first one is the parable of lost sheep. Sorry. Um, he takes care of his sheep. It's not like he left and he's like, oh, he'll come back or he won't come back or whatever. He goes and gets them regardless of how the sheep feels about it. Goes and gets them. Mm, that's good. A parable, though, so I, that one I always take with it. You know, like, I always take a little more grain of salt. But um, the... Um, <laughs> we read it. It's the other one. He says, "Depart from me, I never knew you." It's. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it, it was. The way he <laughs> condemns those that are uh, that are not saved. It was never. Oh, you were. We were at one time. We believed before. Well, I was like, I ne- you were never a part of my flock. Mm. Um, you never uh, at all. Um, Which. I mean, that's just proving by just whichever fallacies. uh, It's one of the fallacies, to be honest, but still. And that's also a good verse for apostasy, too, Mm -hmm. as far as showing that it's like, well, I never knew you. And so there's there's no evidence of... However, to Cody's point, in all of 1 John, whenever he refers to we, he's referring to specifically himself and those who sent. For example, in... John, 1 John 1, he's talking about what we have seen, what we have heard, what we know, and what we, have, what we testify, we testify to you about. So, yeah. it, it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's a stretch to associate that as 
they left from us. They left from our regional location to you, but we did not send them. Yeah. Or we did not. Yeah. They're not of us. It makes sense. I've just never heard of it before. That's yeah. Cool. Like, there's, like, I would say that's a 100% completely <coughs> valid point. Like, you don't even need to, like, stretch. I want to hear first, second, and John third. Or, uh, first, second, John more. Third. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I want to hear those preach more. Because <laughs> I think there's a lot of richness that gets lost by them just being overlooked. But, um, but to the point of of the of the John passage and to the um, the idea of the depart from me I never knew you um, how has this played out like in your guys's theology and your walk like um, have have you let's get down to the point that we're trying to get to because doubt doubt is um, is one of the heaviest things I think in the Christian walk and so the whole reason I wanted to focus on the topics here was to get us through kind of the baseline of why like we get to this this thought of that we can have assurance that we can like look to Christ and say like I I am one of his flock. So yeah. How do we know that we're one of his flock? I know, but I've looked at my whole life. And I've had a I usually get a once a month, not twice. This is making me feel at home right now. <laughs> Being from Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs> you start relaxing. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that happened. Actually, I did finally get figured out how to tell the difference between fireworks and gunshots. Mm. <laughs> That's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. Like that was really what it was. It was like we heard it, like okay, that was fireworks, and then one night it was like that wasn't fireworks. <laughs> Someone died. Yeah. Someone died. It was like pop pop, and it was like silence, and like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I there was for the first time in my life I heard somebody scream after a gunshot in Pat's neighborhood. We heard some we heard a gunshot and then I heard ah! and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just heard somebody get like shot in the arm. <laughs> and he's like, You idiot <laughs> Shot so, the cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I lived in Escondido, I heard that. I heard one o'clock in the morning. Four gunshots and then a scream. I'm like, should I do something? Yeah. The police? Or did I dream? Yeah, like, like. Nope. Jesse woke up next to me. She's like, what was that? I'm like, just call the cops and say, east died. of my address, there's a gunshot. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. I don't yeah. know which direction because I was just right. next to a window. I'm like, maybe that way. Yeah. <laughs> Good old let's can get out. Yeah. So, but like, I was gonna say, are we in Escondido right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even I know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, speaking of getting shot and dying tonight, mm-hmm. um, with assurance, like, the whole point I wanted to get to was, how do we know that we have, like, assurance? How do we know that we've been, cho- like, we've been chosen as one of God's flock? Like, what, what assurance do we have? What reassurance do we get in the Christian walk? How do we bolster our faith if we feel like we're not assured? Um, and when we have doubts... Who do we go to? This is these are all the thoughts that I want to chew through. Yeah. I think. Um, I think um, okay, let's my We're an adult. We don't raise. Your hand. <laughs> um, I work with high school. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so don't raise your hands. Um, <laughs> to be a good example. I think kind of like a stepping stone to assurance of salvation would be guilt over your sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it, you can debate that by saying even unbelievers feel guilt over over sins, but. But I, I, I think um, along with that guilt comes eventually a true repentance of that sin. Mm. And, uh, you know, you can, you can feel guilt over sin and you can be in a trial of, <coughs> of struggling with, with, with a certain sin. Um, 
but in the long run, if you're truly a believer and you you become sanctified and process, eventually you truly repent of of those things. And I think that's a big sign that you're truly a believer. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be going towards the the, the fruit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Like reassured by the fruit in your right. in your life, like right. James three. I would I would say that a hundred percent assurance. I I mean you can you can be a hundred percent assured in your life that that you are are saved and then you fall away. Um, I think the only way to truly know that you know uh, to have assurance is after death and you know if you die in the faith, essentially, but. I'm, right now, I truly believe that I'm saved um, from my fruit, sanctification, the promises of God. Um, so the fruit, the sanctifying work that Christ has been doing in your life. It's sort of the same. Okay. Well, yeah. I think the best way to to, to judge your, your own sanctification is to look where you were a year ago and look at your attitude towards those sins now. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I mean, I mean, granted, you can struggle with sins your whole life, and you're going to. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you will. Especially, struggle with sins especially your whole life. specific things like some guys struggle with lust a lot. Some guys struggle with anger a lot. Some guys. Struggle. You said all wrong. <laughs> 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 but but it, it, but on different levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, but even like, let's say, as especially as men, we all struggle with lust. Um, no. <laughs> you can leave. Yeah. Go and lying. And lying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, it's like, let's say last year at this time, uh, you're struggling with pornography. And then at this point in your life, you're just like, yeah, I don't even have the desire to play pornography anymore. You know, and, and granted, it's all like, if you, if you struggle with pornography once, you're always going to struggle with, with, with temptations to every now and then to to look at it or, or to lust after something. Like because the know? brain pathway or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, but you can still look at where you were Did you say that? a certain time ago and, and, and look at where you are now and you can see the growth. Hmm. And and that growth being that assurance that Christ is working at right. work in you. Right. Hmm. I think so a golden idea. A golden idea. more recently idea, than in the past something that has helped me and I probably agree with Cody a little bit in this in the sense that communion is something to me that has really been a good um, grace in my life as understanding assurance of salvation in the sense that there's so many reminders that come through communion, taking the bread, taking the cup, that really um, bolster my faith and help assure me of salvation because it's granted and totally on board as well with sanctification and all that's a good evidence of faith and the good works that God has done through us Um, I think for me is reminding myself again that it's not anything in me it's something outside of myself It's, it's something that I need from God that it's not you know that that's what assures me more because then it's like what what am i yeah what am i putting my trust in that's what it comes down to am i trusting in the fact that i'm going to church that i am a good person that i do have good works or am i trusting in 
Christ alone and his work on the cross. Yeah. And the reminder that comes through communion is such a vital part. I mean, one thing, so John Hammond said this once, that to think about with communion, <laughs> yeah, to think that you're, you're, one of the things to kind of ponder as you're taking communion is this is something outside of yourself that you're needing. There's nothing in you that's good. It's, I mean, food in itself, right? Yeah. Is a, uh, is saying like, I can't keep myself alive. Right. Yeah. And it's, this is a a point specifically to, you know, the, the covenant that you have, you know, that's a hot button word, but in the sense of we are believers in Christ and this is a reminder for it. So it's a long-winded answer to say communion is something that's been a big help in my life for assurance. Not to mention the promises of God, sanctification, all those other things as well. But for right now, I think that's kind of the phase that I'm going through. Just to clarify, not based off of communion as a salvific thing, just as a reminder of... Correct. A sign. This point. A point. It's a a grace in my life. Just to clarify. I would agree with you 110%, man. Like, for real. Like, sitting sitting down and just, just truly just understanding, like, do this in remembrance of me, like, like yeah, Christ coming down as God with His body and shedding His blood for our sins, you know, because yeah. there was no propitiation for like that we could offer, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, like that. That yeah. is humbling. Yeah, yeah. it's humbling yeah. and like this, you know, this is the the hope. <laughs> so, which I'm I mean, still a bad guy killed. Don't worry, I know. <laughs> what? No, I think the that the the what you're saying about the objectivity. Um, of like this thing is outside of myself yeah it is something I can hold on to it's quite an, literally an anchor yeah is important uh, because I mean there was like cases of you know um, Puritans who settled America um, and like particularly one journal I read in college, college where the woman killed herself because she said well like she struggled to figure out like am i saved or not am i left i i don't know because i keep sinning and well if i like just if i kill myself then like that's certainly something not that no one saved would do right was her thinking and it's because it was essentially all in like this assurance was only in my mental understanding of my relationship to god yeah it was my subjective experience with god and when you are in, like you guys talked about the last time, when you're in ter- depression or things like that, mm-hmm. you are so encouraged at times that you cannot look outside yourself and you need yeah. that to break into your life. And that's mm-hmm. what this is supposed to offer to us. Yeah. There's a, a teaching that's... Sorry, I was going to say, just I'll add on after you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. the, there's a teaching that... that um, I heard, I don't know kind of where, the, the verse um, that if you remember, if you uh, go to bring your sacrifice to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, there that has been kind of brutalized in my understanding, and I've seen it, that people are like, oh, that means communion. So if you've sinned, you shouldn't take communion. You have to examine yourself. You have to be right with God. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's, mm, that's like not it. And that is where the guilt comes in. And it's like, no, it's like this communion is, like Michael said, is it's 
the remembrance of him it's the remembrance of Christ and that's that's the assurance but. Mm. so <clears throat> going back to like that internal like a me 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 type thing I was actually talking to Caleb's landlord right and um, we were talking about like my struggles and you know just good conversation sitting down on the kitchen table and um, <clears throat> like I had like my other Bible I have I would have like emergency verses, you know, like when things would pop up in my life, I'd go to them, right? Yeah. And a lot of them were like the Hall of Faith, you know, and like like Abraham mm-hmm. and looking at his righteousness, you know, and how it was counted as his righteousness, you know, because he couldn't have a child and Sarah couldn't have a child, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And like he's like he's like, man, you're looking at the wrong verses, you know. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Like I thought I had it made, like I thought I had it figured out, you know. But what I was looking at was like the man's pers- like his strength saying. Yeah. You know, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to turn from the, like, the, the worldly impossibility and just look to God, you know, in his own strength. But realistically speaking, it's like what Christ has already done, you know, and going yeah. through like Ephesians, you know, and the love, it, like the adoption, you know, and just looking at like, you know, it's not what man has done, but what Christ has done, you know, and, and then coming before that and just going, okay, God, like, because you have done this for me, you know. That should humble me to the point of obedience, you know. And, yeah, that's what I'm trusting. Who told you? In. Exactly. Bunky. Yeah. Bunky did. Yeah. Is a work that's outside of ourselves. Well, not yeah. he didn't say it like that, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but that, that's what went through my head, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, that's that's, you know, that is that's one of those moments where you're like, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. So that was cool, and that's just adding on to what yeah, you're yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah. It's it's powerful, and it's it's something. It's a foundation that you can stand on. And that's why I like um, the place where we're, we're going to church is yeah, we do communion every week. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a reminder every week. And like, you would think it would get old, but it, it doesn't. I thought it was really weird at first because, you know, yeah. I, was, I was so used to doing it once a month. Right, and then, yeah. And then, you know, it's like started doing it every, every week. And it, it almost, it, I'm almost to the point where, like, every time I do communion, I'm almost, I'm almost, I almost start crying. I know, me too. Yeah, it's, it's just like, it's so it's sweet. like, because. You know what my, my mom always told me, she's like, when you do communion, she's like, when they're passing the bread, you, you, you pray to the Lord, like, if there's any unconfessed sin in your life, that yeah. you just need to, you need to, like, Lord, if I can't think of anything, show me the sin, and all of a sudden it's like, boom, this, boom, that, boom, this, and you're like, wow, God, I'm broken, you know, like, thank you for saving me, and then and you, you eat the bread, and, and then when, when they're passing the cup, that's when you, that's when you, you thank the Lord for everything, mm-hmm. and everything that he's done for you, and mm-hmm. things that you don't deserve, and... And then, then, and then you almost start crying again because you're just out of tears of joy because you're just yeah. like, Lord, you, you chose me. You, you chose, yeah. like, you know, I, I think of Paul. You know, Paul says he's the chief of sinners. And we're like, <laughs> you? <Yeah. laughs> and you're yeah. like, we're like, we're like, I guess. Two thirds of the New Testament. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, Paul, I get it. You had a rough past. But, I mean, you didn't know me. Yeah. <laughs> you Paul, know? you spelled my name and wrong. And it's like. Every, every, <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like, it's like every, every, every believer should, to some extent, be like, I am the chief of sinners. Because, yeah. you know, I, like. As much as I know my sin, you Eric brought this up one time. Um, he told me, you know, just like we we think we know our sins, God knows all of our sins even more than we know our sins. Mm-hmm. And just in that perspective, God knows all of our sadness more than than we know it, and He knows all of our joy more than we know it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'd never heard that before. Eric said it, and I was just like, <laughs> wow. 
I'm like, God knows, God even knows my happiness more than I know my <laughs> happiness. Like, yeah. that's incredible. Like, yeah. an all-knowing creator, like, decided at the beginning of time, before we created anything, that yeah. I was going to be born, and I was going to do, I was going to screw up as much as I did, but he was still going to forgive me. You sinner. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. If you're looking for an argument, you're going to change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes and amen. So, and I think, again, to, I can talk about this all day. Um, the ministry of weekly communion mm-hmm. and the effect that it has on the Christian is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many days where I've had an entire week where I'm like, man, I failed in every single way. Yeah. I failed as a friend. I failed as a husband. I failed as a father. And I did not pray I did not read my Bible this is just the worst and I show up to church and Jesus says I still have called you here Yeah. I still have forgiven you and I still have offered myself for you Yeah. no matter if you feel it or not Yeah. just take it and trust in me yeah. and that has that's why communion I mean definitely for me has been the biggest anchor mm. and taking it weekly is amazing because mm. there are there are months where I'm like I don't I'm not there are months where I move to tears and there's months where I'm like it's just communion it's just communion <laughs> it's yeah. just communion yep yeah. but you know what when I'm starting to move to tears I remember those times where I'm like I thought that this was just communion but yeah. you still fed me and you yeah. still offered yourself for me yeah yeah you know, and that's crazy because, like, like for me, I never heard that. You know, like I never right. heard people come out and say that. You know, like, yeah. oh wow, like I didn't read my Bible or pray the whole week. You know, and it's like there was always that expectation of like godliness or sanctification, yeah, right? Like, yeah, reaching that. As well as in seminary, dude. you know, Pharisaism. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like it's like that's encouraging to know that you know you you know I don't even know you. Yeah. And yet you struggle with that, and you're open and honest with that, and you're saying, "Yeah, but you know, fuck God, you know." Yeah. And that's yeah. that's awesome. What's, is it? Is it? Is it first in First Peter when he talks about um, that? He says something. He says something about um, like just as you struggle on this sin, like other believers all around the world struggle with the same exact sin. Yeah. And it, that, like that, to me, is is an encouragement too, because it's yeah. like wow it's like I'm not the only one who struggles with this like there's other people in the world other believers that are going through the same thing I'm going through and struggling with the same thoughts and the same selfishness and the same pride yeah. but the Lord unites us through through his son yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and that's where another kind of definition of communion in the sense of fellowship with believers is helpful and assurance mm-hmm. as well yeah because you're confessing to each other like dude I suck my heart is is wicked and so deceitful and so wicked and they're like oh yeah me too yeah well I mean that's like true like humble you know transparent believers yeah that will walk alongside you and encourage you and you know bear each other's burdens you know right for real when someone's struggling you know they come alongside and, and and you know because they're not struggling, they can help you through so that, you know, and point you to the one, you know. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. since we look at, sometimes we look at community and go like, like you said, like, people are like, you need to, if you, if you've got something, 
but you haven't repented. Go do that first. Make sure you repent. You have to be perfect right, yeah. when you take communion. But we forget Facts. Romans yeah. 5, 8, where he's like, yes. while you were still sinners, Christ Amen. for you. There's yeah. no, like, <laughs> God right. didn't go to, to Peter and like, hey, Peter, follow me. But first, go and fix you crap. Be better <laughs> first. Be better first. He said, you know, you're a fisherman, and um, yes. Peter was a zealot, right? Go, go live your best no, life. Was, and then go who, back who was a Simon? Simon. Yeah. Yeah, he was, a, he was a zealot. Like, yeah. he's like, yeah, you're a crazy person who wants to kill all the Romans. Then you got a tax collector, and he's like, yeah, you're a crazy person that works for the Romans. And I'm gonna have both of you together, and I'm gonna fix you. Yeah, wow. I'm gonna fix yeah. you after I call you. Yeah. It, the sanctification starts after the calling. What? And I, yeah. I want to. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I would like to push back a little bit on that, and, and also actually, agree with you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this is how I would do it. I still think that it is necessary that as the church, when we are entering into the presence of the Lord, to respond like Isaiah, which is, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean unclean lips amongst a people of unclean lips. And this is why I think that I want to move it to. The objectivity of communion isn't just that, but it can be experienced throughout all of our worship. So, like, it's important for us to have a communal confession of sin at mm-hmm. the start. Because that's an opportunity for us to, like, come to come to God mm-hmm. that Sunday and say, like, yeah, like, this is who I am, God. Yeah. But you called me. So we start with a call. Like, God's calling us. Yeah. We are confessing our sins to him and saying, like, this is who I am. It's a chance for us to hear the gospel, too, yeah. and to receive that purification like Isaiah did. So that when we meet Jesus, we can meet with him with joy and not be like, oh, if you have an issue with your brother, leave it at the altar. Or, you know, you need to be perfect coming to this table. Jesus Christ has made you perfect. Jesus Christ purified you. And on top of that, I can tell you why. You just heard it 15 minutes ago when I shared the gospel with you. So, like, welcome. Come to this table then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And... Um, I think that is one of the reasons why I'm not saying be Anglican. I experienced this in a Presbyterian church, experienced at, at Baptist churches, like having a well-built worship service. Yeah, order of service. An order of service is yeah. important. Mm-hmm. And it's, as, as a pastor, it's like a pretty effective tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate, just as a side note, I've uh, been to a couple of Anglican services. I really appreciate... Um, a lot of the symbolism and um, the way that the service is, is run. Um, it's very God-honoring if you're recognizing kind of what is kind of going on. Yeah. Um, and it really draws out. It, it really is joyful. It brings out the joy. I, I, I appreciate that. In the service. I just yeah. With Botifer. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't yeah. talk too much smack about us or I'll tell Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and, um, and actually uh, a URC pastor kind of outlined the importance of so the synod of dort is kind of a long document translated from a foreign language so i've never really found too much life in it but danny hyde um is a guy over in oceanside and he like he's mr mr you know dutch reformed so that's where it came from so um i want i would i'll send you guys all this uh it's a little article he wrote on the fifth point of the synod but it's all this preservation um and like he points out that it's there's the two means by which God uses to give us assurance is 
the gospel, the reassurance of the gospel, and communion. Well, and the sacraments. And the sacraments. I was going to say. Like, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and he says, um, just, uh, this is just Danny kind of breaking, breaking apart what the sacraments mean, but he says, we celebrate our God's power through means. Not only does he preserve us by means of hearing the gospel as well as by the use of the sacraments. In baptism, we feel the Lord's grace of washing away all of our sins. Every time you witness a baptism, remember your baptism. God's promise of grace to you and your commitment to him by faith alone. In the Lord's Supper, or the Lord's Table, or Communion, or Eucharist, or <laughs> we, we feast with our hands, eyes, noses, and mouths upon Jesus Christ, our gracious Savior. And, and he says this in response to, what if I doubt my salvation? He says, this and and the and the gospel uh, preached and in private meditation and um, in exhortations by in community like the gospel and and the sacraments are these tangible expressions that we can like hold on to as opposed to just saying like this nebulous well like I'm trust I'm really trusting that you saved me God it's just that abiding in Christ by coming and and partaking is that is like that's that's what that's what we get all of our Calvinism from is these these people who actually said these things. They said like, yeah, communion come before God and He will reassure you of your salvation, like through communion. And yeah, I mean, I know there's been a lot, been a lot of churches that have focused on yeah setting that aside. But I'm really glad that everybody's kind of capturing this. I just wanted to yeah. Yeah. culminate like, I, and I'll send you guys this article because it's yeah. it's really well focus to that but i think too that one of the things that's not mentioned there is the sanctification that caleb mentioned yeah. and i think yeah. that if i can borrow your mind again just give me the truck um is in james is it james three um uh four where's the word no, i'm not used to this one where's my message oh no james two there we go the where it's talking about faith and works and faith that works is dead. I, I feel like that passage is also a, a kind of an evidence of assurance from the, from the side of um, sanctification. That you're not, yeah. you're not saved by your works, but your works evidence your faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's a big part of it yeah. as well. And, I mean, do yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, what the gospel verse that you used from Matthew... Um, no, it's Matthew 7. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. Um, well, you are still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, what falls under ish? I don't want to eat that turtleneck now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jesus says this. I need my reading glasses. This is rough. Don't go. Don't get a graduate degree, guys. Your Ruin your eyes. He says, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So... Um, I'll read the full verse, actually. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's this um, this relationship, this symbiotic relationship between um, us understanding the gospel and living it out in our lives, that is the evidence of our salvation. Mm-hmm. It's our, if we are able to do the will of the Father, um, mm-hmm. It, it is only because of the Holy Spirit but we can be like okay God I am not this person who does A, B, and C yeah. but I am doing A, B, and C thank you yeah. 
and I can trust that like you are doing good work in me and you will perfect that work to its end yeah. you know yeah. um, and this is why too I wanted to encourage us to like recognize goodness in each other yeah um mm. Because, like, that's a huge support. Mm, right. If I could say, like, dude, you're such a good father, man. Yeah. Like, I'm learning so much from you. <clears throat> like, most likely, Johnny's going to be like, what are you, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then I'll be, like, I'll be like, yeah, dude, you did this, 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 and this. Right. And then he'd be like, bro, bro like, it's, like, only because I'm just trusting Jesus. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have the strength in me. Right, it's not to me. be this good. Right, it's not me. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But then I can assure Him, and I also can see that yeah. as well, and be reassured. Right. Um, so yeah, I think like you were saying, faith without works is dead. Yeah. And if we are doing works, then it's Evidence just reassurance that yeah. Jesus is doing the work in us. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. I think there is. A, a, it's this sort of pushes against my own point. Um, but I think there is some uh, importance to when you're doing any of the sacraments. Like, if you sit there, like, this is one of the things that I, I'll, I'll teach if, I'm, if we're doing a community thing and I, I happen to be teaching on it, is that if you have sin in your life that you are unrepented of and you refuse to repent of, then you shouldn't take communion. Like, if, you, if you're sitting there going, like, no, I'm going to keep my addiction to porn. This is mine. I'm not going to give that up. I, I think you're outside of the will of God and you shouldn't take communion. Or baptism for that matter. If you're if you want to be baptized but you're like, you know what, I'm gonna live in my my homosexual lifestyle. I'm gonna keep that. I, that's not a sin. If you're gonna remain in sin and live in a pattern of sin, let's say you're outside of the will of God and you shouldn't be baptized. I don't if you're, know. Or if there you're are patterns gonna, of sin in my life that I've known as patterns of sin. But you still submit to the the, the um you submit to you're saying if you God. don't, if you're not, if you don't mourn that sin, if you don't yes. acknowledge yeah, that, sin. if you're if you're not willing to submit to the body of Christ, to the authority of the body of Christ on what is sin and what is not sin, especially for baptism, you shouldn't be baptized. So if you're I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, calling yourself Calvinist, it's pretty like Calvinists have seen that the Eucharist as a um, converting ordinance. So this understanding that, so this is coming from Jonathan Edwards. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that uh, the Eucharist, if you're taking it, is going to do something. And if you have a sin pattern that you're not addressing in your life and you're just continuing to do it, like continually taking communion might actually affect you in a way that like down the road you might repent of that sin. Yeah, but see, like when you start... Okay, so both for you guys, you know, that's all case by case basis. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, so I, I totally mean, agree with you, and that's and that's, you know, now we're stepping in the shoes of God and what He's doing in your heart, yeah, personally, right? And that's just, you know, we could be talking about that, those situations, and we could, that's just a conversation that will never end. Yeah, you know, so, and if you guys disagree, then you know, you guys no, can step in. I, but, I mean. I'm not even dis- necessarily disagreeing with mm. you. I think it's pretty disrespectful to the sacrament. It's pretty yeah. disrespectful to Jesus. It's casting pearls before swine. Yeah, and I, but I don't also say, I don't say you can't take it or you're cursed because you take it. I say you shouldn't because this is what you're doing because you are disrespecting the body of Christ when you do that. The big one I, I really have an issue with is is 
communion, or not communion, sorry, um, baptism. If you sit there and say, I want to be baptized, but I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to submit to the authority of the church and the sort of authority of Christ, then it's, I would say it's wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't baptize. Devil's advocate. I'm going to say that's advocate. Okay. So, you should let Cody argue for himself. <laughs> no, because Cody, Cody's, Cody's rounding out. No, I know. I'm agreeing sorry. with you. Yeah, There's also that there are certain circumstances that so, I think being grace. Believe in be baptized, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if you're not a, you're, if you're not submitting to the bar, you're not a, submitting to Christ. Are you believing, or are you just understanding? Well, so, submitting to Christ will be baptism. Yeah, but if you sit there and say I'm willingly not going to submit to Christ, here is I, I believe that there's God and that He saves us, but I'm not going to. So you're saying that, but if you're not, if, if, as, as a believer, if you're not getting baptized, you're living in sin because you're living in disobedience to the Lord. Hmm. Okay. So, even as an immature believer, you should still be baptized as a sign of your faith. So I think what Isaac's, I think I think the the point Isaac's getting at is a particular type of sin that you're like you're saying. I will have Christ as long as He lets me have this sin. Yeah, it's not like I'm still well, struggling at, with this. At, at my that life. point, it's up to the leadership in your church to explain to you that it's not that's not the right way to live as a Christian. And then at that point, it's kind of up to your leadership to decide if you're truly a believer and if they should baptize you or not. Hold on, hold on, but now let's look at this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is, and then he talks about the the repercussions of, of taking communion in the wrong way. So that's that's where you need to go to in regards to what what is taking communion in the wrong way, right? I think that, well, the, yes. And what's important in that passage specifically is the context of what Paul's talking about there is that the Corinthians are taking communion lightly. Mm-hmm. I think is a big, that's like his point. Well, yeah, actually, was, Paul's point, sorry, this is like hobby horse of mine. Yeah. Put on a context that I'm in. You know about this. What the Corinthians were doing is hating their brothers and sisters during communion. Right. When Paul says, some of you are rich and you're eating all the food, some of you are drunk, and some of you are going without. It's this idea that during communion, during the first century, people had to like physically bring the bread and the wine, and then some people didn't even get any at all. And it was usually the poor people who couldn't bring anything. To the well, service. they wouldn't even get seats in the church. Exactly. You know? yeah. So he's saying, like, you're hating the poor... The people who Jesus promises is the kingdom, like, you are rejecting the gospel and, like, living out, essentially, an opposite kingdom. And by your action, your simple actions, you're eating communion wrong. Because communion is all about the unity of body. Poor, rich, whatever, right. socioeconomic, right. racial class. Okay, so so in regards to, but I think you're com- right. It's but but I mean like so, but in regards to the conversation that you guys were having in 
living in sin and struggling with yeah. sin you tendencies. Still need to right. struggling. So that's why I'm yes. saying I think you're I still think it. you're right with what you're trying struggling. to get at. Well, well Isaac is grabbing his unrepentance and unrepentance so, and refusal and to so repent. So but if you're taking that <clears throat> in the matter of of just excessively eating, right, and, and basically demeaning your fellow brother in Christ, yeah. then this passage is is not in regards to unrepentant sin. It's in regards to the heart motive of I didn't bring the food, I didn't bring I didn't bring the bread, I didn't bring the wine, but I'm gonna partake in it like selfishly and indulge in it. Right? Is that is Yeah, that it's it has to do with right, just like unrepentant sin. Okay. And I think you're right, Isaac. Uh, this is helpful, right? So to kind of like work against this, our church, my church, which is an Anglican church, ha- like requires a profession of faith, like for baptism, mm-hmm. or even I mean, we're obviously we we baptize infants and young children, um, but everyone. So uh, the candidate for baptism, which would be an adult, or the godparent and parent or sponsoring parents would have to say this. The priest will ask you, do you renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? They have to respond, I renounce them. Do you renounce the empty promises and deadly deceits of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? You respond, I renounce them. Do you renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw you from the love of God? I renounce them. And if they cannot make this profession of faith, they cannot be baptized. Right, and, and most most... I feel like most pastors or leaders who who baptize them, they they normally do similar things like yeah. that. What what is that? What are you reading? Uh, that's the Book of Common Prayer. Okay. So. And what's cool about that is that it's so crafted that it's not like no loopholes. Yeah. Well, meaning <laughs> that it's, also... it's something that you can say like, yeah, I renounce the evil desires. Yeah. But you like, if you have a, a if you have sin, a sin that you're like sin. holding yeah. on to, it's like. You can renounce the desire to have that yeah. sin, and it, it's still kind of because we're not requiring. Yeah. Like I don't like. I hope we're not like expecting people to be perfect to be baptized. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just yeah. want you to be repentant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And that. Yeah. I mean, that's what uh the that's what I was the jailer that Paul says to or Paul the the chainsmoker he's still there and he says this is he, he basically preaches to him and the jailer's like okay. I'm just, I believe, and my whole family believes now, and we're going to be baptized. Like, they definitely still had sin. That's one of the, like, when you guys are talking about uh, Simon, right? You know, like, the call and then, like, the sanctification process. That's my pipe right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So sorry. I love the smell of it so much. Are you still looking for dogs? Oh. (laughs) All right, man, well. I'm going to bounce, too. Who wants a cigar? I'll take it. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for listening. If this is one of the guys, I hope to see you next month. Um, And I hope this gives you a picture of where we've been in the discussion, uh, if you had to miss. If this is someone who's found us online or a friend or family member who has been coerced into listening, um, God bless you. I pray that this stirs up thoughts in your own mind. We all had disagreements in the podcast. We explored topics that... Uh, didn't get fully articulated Um, and that's okay that's what this is for but there are great resources out there especially on this topic and I encourage you especially because assurance is such a personal and important issue in the Christian walk 
um, to go and find those resources. Um, if you're looking for resources regarding the Synod of Dort, um, Daniel Hyde, who I mentioned in the podcast, is um, is a great resource, really approachable. The books that he writes regarding this, um, that's Daniel ha- Daniel Hyde, um, and he's with the United Reformed Churches in America. Um, I recommend going to their website as well because they're a Dutch Reformed church, and a lot of the Dutch Reformed churches have a strong tie back to that synod, and therefore know some good resources on breaking down that this point of doctrine in their own synod. Um, in terms of other resources outside of that tradition, um, please find, if you haven't already, a seminary associated with your denomination. Uh, they're going to have recommendations on texts, um, and their websites usually will have those. Uh, that's, that's a great place to find books to read, to really sink your teeth into this issue. Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and bring thee peace. Amen.